Hello, church and ministry leaders. Welcome to the Effective Church Leaders Podcast, a weekly podcast that aims to take the perplexity out of being a church leader. We are your hosts, Carrie and Becky Holton. Good morning, hon. Hi, honey. Well, I've got a question for you this morning in this podcast. Here it comes. We've been followers of Jesus a long time, haven't we? We have. Very long time. And we're grateful. I mean, oh, very thankful. So thankful, but we have. We've been we've been followers of His for a long time now. In all those years, we've had many conversations with our religious friends and neighbors, haven't we? Yes, we have. Yeah, we've, we've had a lot of those conversations. Okay, here comes the big question: Would mm-hmm. you say that in those conversations we have said some things that we should not have said? Would you say that we have ever exhibited some? Well, very unchristian attitudes. And would you say that we have made mistakes when talking with our religious friends and neighbors? 100%. Yes. <laughs> oh, my. It's just embarrassing. I so, look back on some things I have said over the years, and I'm thinking now, what I, was I thinking I when I said that? I want to slap myself. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> it's amazing how those conversations can start so well and go off track so easily. And friends, in this episode, we want to talk about mistakes that Christians make. Um, when talking to their religious friends and having those spiritual discussions with neighbors. Right. It'll be embarrassing for us all, I think. I, I'm sure it will be. <laughs> we'll see ourselves in the in this discussion. Yeah, we will. <laughs> Just this will make us cringe as we're going through this. I'm sure it will. So we'll take us take us through the first one, hon. Okay. Well, one mistake I think that we make is coming across as if we have all the answers and as if we have figured it all out. In other words, we have come across as know-it-alls on some occasions. Oh, my goodness. I don't know why we do that sometimes. Maybe we're trying to build our own confidence or something, or maybe we do think we know it all, but absolutely no one likes to know it all. No. I'm thinking of now that Kelly Clarkson song, Mr. Know-it-all, which (laughs) has little to do with what we're talking about today, and now I made you think that song, and you're going to hum it all day. I won't be able to get that tune out of my head all day long. I know. Long. Well, you just have to belt it out from here and there. Mr. Know-it-all. Okay, moving on to the next <laughs> one. Well, why don't you uh, talk to us what you okay. think about that? Well, let me let me elaborate on what I mean by that. Somehow, in so many words, when we are talking with our friends and neighbors about spiritual things, we need to let them know that we do not feel that we have arrived. We haven't. No, we haven't. We, we need to let them know that we have not yet come to a full and complete knowledge of God's truth. And that's especially when we're talking with others about what we believe the Bible teaches. We should not convey the impression that we have arrived at our destination of full and complete knowledge of the truth. And for friends that are listening, we want to be clear, we are not saying that we don't know some things about what the Bible teaches. Of course we do. We are not saying that Christians should not have convictions, which they forged through by diligent study in the Word. We are only saying that there are things we don't know, that in some areas of our understanding, it's just it's pretty incomplete, and we should be quick to acknowledge, acknowledge this with our religious friends and neighbor, our neighbors, because our attitude can come across 
really strong in that way with how we're saying things. You know, there's been some teachers and mentors that we've had in the past that obviously knew a lot. They were smart, intelligent, studious. But you know what I thought was so uh, respectable about them is they were not too arrogant and they were not too afraid to say, you know, I don't know about that. They were willing to as learned learned as they were, as credentialed as they were, as studied as they were, as much as they knew, these were people that were willing to say, you know, I'm not sure about that. Right. And what that did for me was to build trust in who they were and what they had to say in the following words that they might say. Right. We need to we need to let people know that we're talking with that that we don't see ourselves as know it alls. No. Uh, we don't have that full understanding. Mm-mm. Okay. Well, why don't you introduce for us another mistake that well, we sometimes okay. make? Okay. Another mistake I think we could make and have made is being closed-minded regarding the truth, even dogmatic about the meaning of the biblical text. You know, people can pick up on closed-mindedness and dogmatism, don't you think? I do. We don't want the ones with whom we are talking to be closed-minded, so. I don't think we should be either. I agree. There's exactly re- right. We expect a reciprocal uh, attitude that if we want it in them, we best be demonstrating it ourselves. We could talk about the golden rule here. We could. We could talk about just how you basically respect people. Right, right. We, we want to be treated a certain way, so we should treat others mm-hmm. that particular way. Mm-hmm. Uh, and again, as you said earlier, we're not talking about not having convictions. Right. Regarding what we believe the Bible teaches. I mean, we, we do have convictions that, as you said, have been forged in the fires of diligent study over many, many years. So it's okay to have convictions. We're not saying that we should throw out the window all of our previous beliefs and convictions. We're only saying that we need to always demonstrate an openness to God's truth. We need to convey to others the impression that we are truth seekers, and that might mean that we need to alter or modify what we have believed in the past. Right. And so in any and every religious discussion, we want to demonstrate demonstrate the attitude of humility. We should be quick to acknowledge our own fallibility in every religious discussion. I think we should be willing to accept any truth that the other person may show us. Absolutely. This is the posture that we're talking about. It's a posture that says, I may be wrong about what I think I know, and I can always learn, and I'm open to learning. Again, it's the attitude that says, we are just truth seekers, and actually we're truth seekers together. We have not fully arrived at our destination. There is always more to learn. And guess what? We may be wrong about what we thought we knew. And I am happy to learn from you. You know, if we expect others to hear us, we must be absolutely willing to hear them. That is so true, honey. And when you think about it, who has a perfect understanding of God's will? No one. No one. No one. We ought to be willing to accept any truth which others can give us. Uh, Can we just say here that truth is the sole possession of no one? Good point. I mean, to presume to claim private ownership of the truth is just wrong, and it conveys such an arrogant attitude. 
Right. In mentioning the arrogant attitude, we might also say that we can say things in such a way that we come across as having a holier-than-thou attitude. Not only is it wrong for us to have this attitude, it's an immediate turnoff. Oh, that's for sure. Well, we're talking about pride here, aren't we? Yes. I mean, we're talking about arrogance. We should not convey to anyone that we are in a one-up position, certainly not with our religious friends and neighbors who disagree with us. Again, we don't have all the answers, and we can learn from one another. And it seems to me that this is much more of a winsome approach right? than taking the one-up position with others. Right. And, you know, we also use the word dogmatism. Again, shouldn't we all accept the idea that we could be wrong? I I suppose we fear that we will compromise the truth if we don't sound like we're sure about a belief or a conviction, but it's not compromising the truth to tell another person, I will listen to what you have to say and examine your reasoning fairly in light of God's word, and I ask you to do the same with mine. Very good, yes. Um, I, I just... Boy, that's just so important in our conversations with people. So, honey, why don't you share with us mistake number three in talking to friends and neighbors about spiritual topics? Yeah, let's move on to a, a third mistake that we sometimes make. Uh, I, I think another mistake that we can make is is by questioning the intelligence or the motivation of others. <sighs> What follower of Jesus would ever do that? (laughs) Really questioning the other's intelligence or their motivation? I mean, seriously, who can even know another person's heart? That's that's just about, I think, those kinds of accusation, that's about winning, not sharing Jesus uh, and talking about spiritual topics. I mean, who would want to be a part of the spiritual perspective we're trying to present if we're just coming across argumentative and condescending? I think that's a good point. And it is hard to believe that we would ever question another person's intelligence or their motivation because, as you say, we can't know their hearts. But it happens, and and I think we can even do this without knowing that we're doing it. It's almost an yes. unconscious mistake that we sometimes make. And in fact, I think I would say that all of the mistakes that we're talking about in this podcast, we might be committing them unknowingly. I think we get into a defensive posture and it can get to be more about our ego than the conversation. Oh, I think you're right about that. And I'll tell you something. Actually, I've heard preachers who questioned their hearer's intelligence. Really? I may have done that in the past. I, I never have heard you say that. Anyway, I remember, I remember hearing a well-known gospel preacher in a gospel meeting years ago, commit this big mistake. He was trying to explain the biblical text, and he said something like this. Anyone with half a brain ought to understand this text. Oh, my word. Right. I thought at the time, I thought, well, that's really going to be well accepted by people. Right. We We really need to be fair with those who may disagree with us. They may disagree with us over an interpretation of some teaching in the scriptures, and we need to be fair with each one. We don't need to be questioning their intelligence just because they don't see that text the way we see it. You know, I think I've heard Christians accuse others, for example, of refusing to accept the authority of the Bible because that person rejected a certain interpretation. In fact, like I said, I'm sure that I myself have been guilty of this grievous sin. 
when I just said, well, if you can't see it this way, if you don't agree with my interpretation, maybe you just don't accept the authority of the Bible. That's really not fair of me to think that way of someone else. Right. It's just not fair of us to accuse another of refusing to accept the authority of the Bible or of not loving truth or not loving God just because that person rejects truth, which we think is evident. And they don't, basically, they're not agreeing with our perspective. Um, Most of us are sometimes hindered, I think, too, by mental blocks that could come into this conversation. It could be that the person with whom we're having a biblical discussion may be the victim of just a mental block that relates to something else entirely different. Sure. It, It may be true that a person may be unwilling to accept the scriptures. I mean, we ought to admit that that may be true. It may be that they're just refusing to admit what the scriptures mean. That may be the problem. But it might be more likely that prior teaching has created a blind spot, Mm, which must be removed before truth is apparent to them. Sometimes we may feel that another is rejecting the Bible when he is only refusing our interpretation of the scriptures. And it is easy. It is easy to believe an explanation of a passage so strongly that any alternative interpretation is automatically rejected as renunciation of the authority of the Lord. You know, perhaps the person with whom we're speaking has just never heard or considered the position or the interpretation of what we're advocating. He'll need to think about or she'll need to consider what is this new thought to them this new way of looking at something, not just accepting it because we said so. Right. You know, I I really think, honey, that it would be better of us, much better to acknowledge that another person still believes in the authority of the word, even if we believe him or her honestly mistaken. Much better to believe that of the person than to accuse that person of rejecting Christ because she or he cannot accept our explanation. Absolutely. And think about this. When an honest and sincere person is informed that he or she doesn't believe the Word of God or that they don't accept the authority of the Bible because they reject our conclusions, how does that person respond? What is likely to happen? Uh, You know, a prejudice against us or our interpretation of the Scripture is going to develop. Sure then how will we ever reach that person with the gospel of Christ? It never ends well. It will not end well when we come across with that attitude. No. In fact, it'll destroy the relationship. Yeah. Well, friends, in this podcast, we've been talking about things that we may say to our religious friends and neighbors that we should absolutely not say. But behind these words are some attitudes that we want to avoid. And attitude is an important word for this conversation. And those attitudes we want to avoid are arrogance and pride and judgmentalism and closed-mindedness and dogmatism and a condescending, uncharitable spirit. But I think there are also attitudes that we want to cultivate. And those attitudes are humility and kindness and fairness and just a magnanimous, big-hearted spirit so we, we really need to watch our hearts as well as our words. And, you know, hon, I almost think that might be the number, that's the number one place to start. No it's doubt. not to plan the script in our head, but it's to put our hearts before God and make sure that our hearts are right and our attitudes are fairly representing Scripture. Mm-hmm. Um, 
But anyway, well, we'll start closing this down. Do you have any Good. closing thoughts that you want to add as if I didn't know? Well, I do. I always <laughs> have closing thoughts. <laughs> yes, you do. Well, but they're I, good ones. I want, I want to talk very briefly, by the way. These are just some brief closing thoughts. I want to talk about why we need to watch our attitudes and our words. And let's go to Titus chapter 2 and verse 10 for oh, this. Okay. In that passage, Paul gives certain instructions so that in everything we may be an ornament to the doctrine of God, our Savior. That's Titus 2, verses 9 and 10. Paul is wanting his readers in that passage to do everything in their power to make a positive impression on others for the Lord's sake. And by the way, I like the NIV translation here. He says, do these things so that in every way, they will make the teaching about God, our Savior, attractive. Mm, I like that. Making the gospel attractive. Paul is aware that there is a way to speak and act that detracts from the gospel, that makes it unattractive to people. And he's also aware that there is a way to speak and act that makes the gospel or the Christian life attractive to others, appealing to others. And I think what he's saying there is that each of us should try to speak and live in such a way that we make the gospel attractive to others. And, of course, this is what all of us really want to do. Absolutely it is. And I'm thinking of another verse from Paul that applies in this context. Let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how you ought to answer everyone. And that's from Colossians 4, 6. I think, sadly, um, I think there's a lot of people who've been pushed away from God because of how words were said more than actual words that were said. So as we are considering how to be strong, effective churches, we're learning that churches that reach out to people outside of their walls are the effective, successful ones. This is a good place for us to begin to think and consider how are we going to have those conversations as we reach out. Good. So that does it for us today, folks. Plan to join us next week for a brand new episode of the Effective Church Leaders Podcast, where we offer support to church leaders who want to become better informed, more confident, and more effective in their service to the Lord. 